I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been talking to you about God creating evil. Now, some people don't like that. That makes them mad. They're going to have to deal with it, whether they like it or not. I love telling you about it because it is what God said. He said, continually, I will bring evil upon Israel. I'll bring evil upon Babylon. I will bring evil upon Persia. I'll bring evil upon Greece. I'll bring evil upon Rome. And God will bring evil upon you and I. I've said the evil that he brings is his hand. The hand of the Lord, the Bible says. David said in Psalms 17, Deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword and thy hand. When something bad happens to you, it's not for the believer, it's for your good. It's all about God getting rid of that outer man. The outer flesh serves the law of the flesh. The inner man, which is Christ in you, serves the law of the Spirit or the mind of God. And over a long period of time, God's going to take over that outer man. He insists that he die. Everything that is sin is idol worship. We've said this so many times. I keep saying this to people. I don't even know if people understand this. The thing that I, that really frustrates me is people like John MacArthur. I believe he's a believer, but I believe his works are going to be tried even as by fire. The, I believe he reminds me of the man in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. If we build on any foundation like gold, silver, wood, hair, stubble, something that's tangible, we're building on the wrong foundation. And the Bible says that man will be saved, but his works will be burned. I don't know why John doesn't. It's like, do I believe he doesn't understand the Old Testament? I believe he understands it. I don't know why he will say on the Internet he knows that Christmas is the feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia. He says that. He says he knows that December the 25th is the birthday of Mithra. And he'll describe all of this paganism, and then he'll turn around and say, however, or but, we're going to use this season to serve Jesus. God doesn't like his name put on an orgy. The Saturnalia was an ancient orgy. It went from December the 17th through the 24th. I keep saying this, and I don't know if most people realize it. I want you to connect... Revelation 17 and 5. These verses I discovered years ago and they just really hit me like a ton of bricks. Revelation 17 and 5 and Genesis 11 and 4. They go together because Revelation 17 and 5 says Babylon was the mother She gave birth to all harlots. Harlot doesn't mean some woman that makes her trade by selling her body as a prostitute. That's not what it means. It means idolatry. 
When you look it up in the Greek, it'll tell you it means idolatry. God spoke of Israel going after these other gods. He spoke of the other gods as Israel's lovers. You can find that in the second chapter of Hosea. You can find it all over the Old Testament. He spoke of that as her lovers. That would be Baal, Grove, and all the rest of them they served. They served all the gods of Egypt. This was Israel. Egypt, the gods of Syria, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammon, those are right next door to them. Ammon. Ammon was right. Ammon was northern Jordan. It's right next door to Israel. Moab is southern Jordan, right next door to Israel. Syria is right above Israel, right here. And they serve the gods of, of Tyre and Sidon, which is Lebanon. These gods, these gods, these gods, these gods, and the gods of Egypt. They were polluted by all of them. I can't name them all. There are just hundreds of them. And Israel was polluted by all of them. Now, when the Bible says Babylon was the mother of all harlots, it has idolatry. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. It's a form of, it comes from ido, means to see or perceive, and latruo. That's the same word in John 16, when the Bible says, they'll think they do God's service when they put you to death. It's the same way as service. They'll think they're worshiping God. Laturo means to serve what you see. That's what idolatry means. Whatever you put in your eyes and your ears, if you put an excessive amount of the world in your eyes and ears, then you're an idolater. I love Ephesians, the third chapter, and Colossians, the fifth chapter. That tells us that covetousness is idolatry you say I'm not covetous are you sure are you sure you hadn't been pleonectase and it actually means to want more any way you can get it to be devious or underhanded to be any kind of way you can be to get it now here's what I want you to understand Babylon was founded in Genesis 11 and 4. Babylon, who mothered, gave birth to idolatry. It doesn't matter where you find it in the world. Everything goes back to Babylon. I don't care if it's a, if it's a South Sea island in Borneo where they're offering a virgin to a volcano god. They're doing that. You know why they do that? Because they're wanting to to suffice the anger of the volcano god so they can have crops when they come out. That's the same thing Israel did. They wanted crops. God says, You want crops in the spring, you you got an you got a 
sabbatical year every seven years, leave the land alone. And they went 490 years with never, never keeping their sabbatical years, 70 times 7. That's the 70 weeks of Daniel. And they didn't like the idea of the sabbatical year. You can't plant that year and you can't reap anything that year. They had a, it was actually about a two year period because going into winter, they had a winter crop that they could not, they could not reap in the spring. And then they had a, at the end of that year, they had a, they couldn't plant the crops for the following year. So you had about a two year period. They had to leave the land alone. Couldn't touch it. And they said, we won't do that. So I want to get it over to everybody that the mother of all idolatry is let us make us a name. Name is the word Shem. It means authority. I want to dwell on this till you get a hold of this. Christmas came into Israel because Constantine in 325 A.D. Constantine said, I'm going to lose the empire to these Goths, Ostrogoths, Visigoths, Vandals, Huns. They're all coming from the Far East. They're coming over here you got all these arrows Huns here coming over here you had the Vandals you had the Burgundians you had all of these Rome only ruled on the Mediterranean that's all that Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome ruled that was the civilized world and that's all they ruled the kings for about 200 years prior to Christ are the Roman emperors kept thinking, we're going to be overrun by these Goths and Visigoths. Those guys, were they were not organized as armies. They just lived like, they lived like heathens. They rode on horseback with pillage and rape and murder. And they didn't care if you killed them. They'd just come after you. The Visigoths reminded me of the Comanches out of Texas, of all the early American Indians. The Comanches were the deadliest. If you got caught by the Comanches, they'd do all kinds of things to you, uh, torching you till you died. That's the way the Visigoths were. When they were driven, uh, driven south, when they were driven south of the, of, into Roman territory, the Huns drove them south, drove the Ostrogoths. Here's the Ostrogoths, the Huns here. They drove them south of this Danube River that threw them into Roman territory. Well, Rome starts taxing them. They say, you're not going to tax us. We'll just attack everybody and kill everybody. That's what the Visigoths did. And so Constantine said, I've got to do something. And all the emperors prior to him said he had to do something. So, and the Christians were multiplying like crazy. They were being slaughtered, and as fast as they were being killed, he couldn't stop them. Well, Constantine couldn't stop the Christians. He couldn't stop these these pagan uh, hordes. You can see those hordes. There was an old special, if you can get the... Uh, and get the DVDs on the barbarians. It'll tell you all about it. And they were just rampaging. So what he did, he brings their gods. 
And it has to be the same gods that Israel went after all the time they were a nation, Baal and the Grove, that was sun and tree gods. And some people will say, yeah, but sometimes they were called war gods. That's exactly right. They would put whatever kind of spin they wanted on them in any kind of society. They would be like Minerva was a goddess of war among the Romans. But she was nothing. When you stop and think, you stop and think Eve was making war with God when she went against his commands and she ate of the tree. So that would be where the war gods could come in and they would, they put all kinds of variations on them. Every one of them comes out of Babylon who mothered all of it, no matter where you go. So these are the same gods when Constantine brought it into the church and changed the name of the feast of Saturn to Christmas. I don't know how people can keep from seeing the Mass on the end of Christ. I don't know how they can keep from seeing it. I saw it when I was 12 years old. Christ Mass. I'm sitting there saying to myself, it's Christ. It must be Christ Mass. How can a Baptist preacher not see that? I don't know. But I'm talking through Jeremiah. I want you to keep in mind, every one of the prophets, every one of them had the same job. They were either prophesying against Israel for bringing those gods in. God told Israel, you go after any other gods, I will bring the sword, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then I'll bring the beast in. That's everything that these prophets of Israel was prophesying against Israel about. The prophets were not interested in converting the Syrians. They weren't interested in converting the Egyptians. They weren't interested in converting Tyre and Sidon, which we call Lebanon. They weren't interested in that. They were interested in the fact that Israel had been polluted by these gods where they brought them into Israel and did everything that God told them not to do. That was the same thing. When these people had their gods, the Huns, the Vandals, the Vagos, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Burgundians, and all the rest of them, they were the same gods that Israel was involved in under different names, but they were. So when you're reading any prophets, just think, this is all that this guy is about, whether it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nam, every one of them. They're either prophesying against northern Israel, northern Israel, which was also called Samaria, Or it was also called Ephraim. If you're reading the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah is condemning Ephraim. Ephraim was the second born of Joseph, and he received the inheritance of all Israel. So Ephraim is talking about northern Israel. When the Bible's, when one of the prophets, when Hosea is prophesying against Ephraim, he's talking about northern Israel who brought in the gods of Baal and Grove. 
That's what it's talking. It's really not hard. If you find out what it's about, what's wrong with these preachers that will not go ahead and say Christmas is pagan? They don't really, they've never really understood the Old Testament when they read these prophets. Every one of them is preaching against Israel or southern Israel, which was called Judah, or they're preaching against the nations around them and condemning them for having polluted Israel. God wouldn't care if they didn't pollute Israel. The nations all around them polluted Israel. Egypt polluted Israel. And God says, I'll get all of you for that. So, where we are, we're studying Jeremiah. We've talked about God creating evil. What's the evil for? It is to cause evil is a switch. It's a razor strap in God's hand whipping Israel until they learn to behave themselves and he's got the timing all set where they'll behave. It'll take that long to beat people. Now, where we are. Jeremiah, you have to understand Jeremiah about this man. I want to meet him one day in heaven. Say, you've been kind of a hero to me, Jeremiah. I don't think two men have affected me more than Jeremiah and Nehemiah. They were just... The last chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is so mad at Israel because they've rebuilt the city that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed 150 or so years before. They rebuilt the city and they come back into Jerusalem selling on the Sabbath day. And Jeremiah comes down and says, Nehemiah comes down and says, Get out of the city. Stop defiling the Sabbath. We know the Sabbath is spiritual now. But he was telling them, You can't do this. But they did. So he, he chased them. This is Nehemiah. He chased them. He pulled their heart. He was threatening them. He'd say, I'll come lay hands on you. He didn't mean I'll lay hands and pray for you. He means I'm going to hurt you. You're not paying any attention. Didn't God tear Israel apart? Didn't he have Babylon come in and just destroy the city and the temple because you're doing this? It's amazing. Then Jeremiah You have to understand, Jeremiah, he is the last major prophet walking through Israel at the very end of their kingdom. Northern Israel was carried away in 722 B.C. That was northern Israel. Jeremiah is talking only to southern Judah. Southern Judah is southern Israel. It's comprised of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. That is This is southern Israel on this map over here. It's Judah and Benjamin. There's a reason for Simeon being down there. I've already talked about it. I won't talk about it today. It's because he was very unfaithful to God. Now, southern Israel was called Judah. They named it after the tribe of Judah. Northern Israel was called Samaria, Ephraim. Any other name for that for them had to do with northern Israel so when the Bible speaks of Israel after they're carried away it's talking about northern Israel it talks about Judah that's southern Israel why did they become northern and southern Israel because of because of Solomon allowed his 700 wives and 300 concubines to keep their gods 
How Solomon can do that, I don't know. God loved Solomon. He was a, probably a gentle man, but he was, the Bible says in the, that 13th chapter of Nehemiah that strange women deceived Solomon. Strange doesn't mean weird. It means foreign. Now, where I am, Jeremiah preached to southern Judah. Northern is already captive over there in Assyria. Assyria is overthrown by Babylon. Then Jeremiah, he prophesies from 626 B.C. until 586 B.C. And 586 is the very end of Israel as a nation. It's over. That's where God brings Nebuchadnezzar in and just slaughters Israel. Pulls their temple down, pull the big stones, weighed tons, pull the stones down, burnt the city to the ground. Then he plowed it up, sowed salt to it so nothing would grow there. And when Jeremiah was through, we're going to see about Jeremiah's end. We're going to look at Jeremiah. He tra- he walked all over Israel. God told him. He said, don't be afraid of the man. I'm going to protect you. He was afraid of him. Because he was preaching against the princes of Israel. Everybody that was in the king's lineage or anyone that was a high priest, they were all just gone astray from God. So Jeremiah is preaching to him for 40 years. And he is there when his southern Judah is destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar's armies. He's there looking at him. We'll see him as we study. Now, there, the princes of Israel are so angry at Jeremiah we we have worked our way over to the thirty eighth chapter of Jeremiah. I love this man. Let's start reading in the first verse of the thirty eighth chapter. Then Shephatiah the son of Matan, and Gedaliah and the son of Pasher, and Jukal the son of Shelemiah, Pasher and the son of Malkiah heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city, this is what they're telling the king. He that remains in this city will die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. How many times have I said that to this congregation? A thousand? You'll die by the sword. The famine will be here. And God brought the famine all along the way. He brought it with Elijah as soon as, as soon as Ahab brought married Jezebel out of Babylon, out of Lebanon, out of Tyre and Sidon. He brought that down into northern Israel. Ahab brought it in. And God sent Elijah to Ahab in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. And Elijah said, there'll be no rain for three and a half years. Goodbye. That was it. He didn't say if you'd like to repent. 
He said, no rain. And he was out of there and it went hid in the cave. And he was fed by the ravens. That's another story. Now, but he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans, to the Babylonians, you'll live. I've got a program. If you rebel against the king of Babylon, you'll die. Babylon is my messenger. He's going to carry you out of this land, out of Judah, take you over to Babylon for 70 years. During that time, during that time, the land will restore its nutrients that you didn't, that you did not abide by my law. For 490 years, you never kept the sabbatical years in the land just dried up and there was no nutrients in it. You can't do that. It's the same thing farmers do out in the Midwest. They rotate crops. They can't grow the same thing. And they, you have to know agriculture to do that. You can't just go out and buy you a track of land. I want to become a farmer. You'll pull all the nutrients out of the ground after so long and it won't grow nothing. I've learned that because I kept a garden planted over on Irvine where I used to live and we planted it every year for about 10 years. It got to where we wouldn't grow anything. I couldn't figure it out until I started thinking about this. I thought, that's why. Can you imagine after 70 sets of these seven years, 490 years, not keeping the sabbatical year, how pitiful their crops were? Had to be nothing to them. I thought they're saying, Well, God, we thought you said you'd give us, if you serve me, I'll give it to you. Now, Jeremiah's been walking through the streets telling these people, You're going to go to hell. You're going to, you're going to die. If you go to Babylon, you'll be okay because I'm going to keep you there 70 years till the land restores its nutrients and then I'll have you come back. But if you look at the book of Ezra, the first few verses, Ezra, actually Ezra, the second chapter, only about, it's approximately 46,000 people came back from Babylon. There were millions over there. When those decrees were given by those Persian kings to come back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city, most of them said, it's a wasteland over there. We're prospering over here in Babylon. We own land. We, we've been freed by the Persian, by the Babylonians, by the Persians. We can prosper over here. Why go back to Israel, to Jerusalem? It's waste. They had, we have to rebuild the temple of God. That's waste. Now, we're fixing to read what these princes do to, 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 do to uh, Jeremiah. Because of this hard message, sword, famine, pestilence, they get enraged with him. Verse 3, Thus saith the Lord, This city, Jerusalem, shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Those are Jeremiah's words. And the people just said, oh man, we hate this guy. It's the Jews that hate Jeremiah. It's the people of southern Israel. 
because he's walking, he's going to all the gates of the city, the gates of the temple, and tell him, you're going to be destroyed by Babylon and by Nebuchadnezzar. Therefore the prince is said unto the king, unto King Zedekiah, we beseech thee, let this man Jeremiah be put to death. He's wearing us out. He's discouraging all of us. For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in the city and the hands of all the people. He's making us weak in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt of it. They couldn't see what he was doing. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he's in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. I'm Zedekiah, I'm the king, and I'm not going to do anything to hurt my people. Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah, the son of Hamalach, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk into the mire. One of the writers says the mire was human waste. I had a fellow paint that picture back there on the wall. Jeremiah hanging in the mire. And he put it on the bottom of it. And I asked him to put on the bottom. This is the beginning of Christianity. You think when you get discouraged, you think he wasn't discouraged hanging in the mire. He had two friends. Baruch, who was his stenographer. We read about him the last message. He told Baruch, come here and I'll, I want you to write down the things that I tell you. This is Jeremiah. God's speaking to Jeremiah. And he reads to him, and he tells him what to write, and he writes down everything Jeremiah said. And then they take it to the king, to King Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim is an evil, wicked king, and he reads the first book of Jeremiah. You say, first book? I thought there's only one book. Oh, there used to be two books. But he read the book. He got mad at it, cut it in pieces with a pen knife, and threw it into the fire. Then God says, we'll do this again. And that's what he wrote here. Now, he's hanging in the mire. And when he bed Malak, the Ethiopian eunuch, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon the king then sitting in the gate of, Je- of Benjamin. Ebedmelech went forth out of the king's house. He's got these two friends, Baruch and Ebedmelech. And spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah, the prophet, when they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in the dungeon in the place where he is, for there is no bread in the city. They were in a siege by Babylon. A siege, they may keep a siege going for a year or two. If the town was here, 
and all the roads into the town. The armies were surrounded. That was called a siege. And they would let you sit there and starve to death until your baby started dying. And Israel had to start eating their children. We've read about that. Verse 10. Then king, then the king commanded Abed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. But Zedekiah was a pansy. He didn't want to do what Jeremiah was saying. So Abed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. He was down somewhere deep, sinking in the mire. And, and he bet me like the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under your armholes, under the cords, and Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. And Jeremiah meets with Zedekiah. Let's read about it. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. And God said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing. Hide nothing from me. This is Zedekiah. The pansy king, you've heard me talk about it. Just didn't have the guts to send for God's law. Then Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declared unto thee, wilt thou not surely put me to death? And if I give thee counsel, wilt thou not hearken unto me? So Zedekiah the king swear secretly unto Jeremiah. The reason he's swearing secretly because he don't want these princes of Israel that want Jeremiah dead. That's the royalty of Israel wants to kill him. Saying, as the Lord liveth, that made us this soul, I will not put you to death. Zedekiah promises Jeremiah, you'll not die. Just tell me what you've been saying. Neither will I give thee into the hand of those men that seek thy life. These are not foreign men. These are not pagans. Well, they're acting like pagans. This is not Syrians. This is not Lebanon people or Tyre and Sidon people. This is not Egyptian priests. This is God's priests in Israel wanting to kill Jeremiah because of what he's saying. Then said Jeremiah to Zedekiah, verse 17, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts. He's going to tell Zedekiah what he's been preaching out here. God of Israel, if thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon, princes, then thy soul shall live. You'll live. If you go over there, you're going to have to go over there for 70 years and stay. You can find those 70 years in Jeremiah 25 and in Jeremiah 29. He talks about the 70 years. And thou shalt live in thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon... 
He's going to take you over there so I can let the land restore its nutrients. Then shall this city be given unto the hand of the Chaldeans, another name for the Babylonians. And they shall burn it with fire. That always reminds me of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the second chapter, when he goes to, when he gets real sad in the court of Artaxerxes, and it was against the law to be sad in the king's court in Persia. You could die for that. But Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. He said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? He said, I've heard that my city has been burnt to the ground. Will you give me decrees and letters to go back and rebuild the city? And Artaxerxes said, how long are you going to be gone? He said, I don't know as long as it takes to build it. He was gone 12 years rebuilding the city. But Artaxerxes loved him and gave him letters to go build it. Those letters are given to him in the second chapter of Nehemiah. And he goes, undergoes every kind of opposition with a man named Sanballat and Tobiah and, and Geshem, the, the Syrian. Verse 19, Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews. Zedekiah just didn't have any guts. He would just, says, I'm afraid of the Jews that have fallen to the Chaldeans. Some of them have already given in to the Babylonians, and they're becoming a part of the system. Lest they deliver me into their hand, and they mock me. Well, they do worse than that to Zedekiah. They do worse than mock him. They bring his sons in front of him. Say so you better take a long look at him. The leader of the Babylonian army, the captain of the host, the guy who was head of all the, he was the head general of Nebuchadnezzar. His name was Nebuzaradan. We're going to read about him. Nebuzaradan. Nebuchadnezzar, he was, it sounds kind of like Nebuchadnezzar, but it's not. He was the head of Jeremiah, of, he was the head of the army of Babylon. Jeremiah said, verse 20, They shall not deliver thee, obey, I preach, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord, but he doesn't, which I speak unto thee, so shall it be well unto thee and thy soul shall live you'll live if you go to Babylon and stay there for 70 years if thou refuse to go forth this is the word of the Lord has shown me and behold all the women that are left in the king of Judah's house shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes and all your wives will be given to the princes of Babylon Jeremiah's telling him the truth it's funny how he would think that Jeremiah was a prophet. He'd want to consult with him, then he wouldn't do what he said. It's funny to me, people, preachers own a Bible, and they'll read it, and they won't do what God says. And behold.
behold, all the women will be given to the princes. And these women shall say, Thy friends have set thee on and have prevailed against thee. Thy feet are sunk in the mire and they are turned away back. So they bring out all the wives and the children of the Chaldeans and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. Don't think you're going to get away. Zedekiah, this is just a little bitty prophet telling the king of Israel, you're going to die if you don't do what I'm telling you. I'd like to say that to the preachers of America. Thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. Then says Zedekiah to Jeremiah, Let no man know of these words, and thou shalt not die. Don't you tell the princes of Israel who want to kill you. They'll go ahead and kill you. And he goes on. Let me get further into this. Now, let's go to the 39th chapter, verse 4. And it came to pass... Well, let me give you verse 2 of chapter 39. And in the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth month of the ninth day of the month, the city of, of Jerusalem was broken up by the Babylonians. And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, even Nergal Sherezer. Sam Garnebo and Sar Sakim, Rabsaris, Negal Sharizer, Rab Mag, with all the residue of the princes of Babylon. And it came to pass that when Zedekiah the king of Judah saw them and all the men of war, then they fled. They did exactly opposite what Jeremiah told them not to do. He said, submit to the king of Babylon. You go there and you'll live. But don't try to get away. They went forth out of the city by night and by the way of the king's garden. He's trying to slip out some way. He thinks he's going to slip out secretly and he's going to get away. That's what Zedekiah thinks. By the gate betwixt the two walls, and he went out the way of the plain. But the Chaldean army pursued after Zedekiah and his cohorts, and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. He was going north. He's going northeast. Jericho is northeast of Jerusalem, about fifteen miles out there. And they brought him to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah, and the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his very eyes. He said, take a look at your sons. This is the last you're going to see of them. And they killed Zedekiah's sons while he's looking. Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes. He blinded him. Probably got a hot poker and says, punch him in the eyes. Now, what are you going to do now, Zedekiah? 
you're going to get this story not just here, but you're going to get it in the 25th chapter of Second Kings. You're not going to get the details that you're going to get in the book of Jeremiah. You'll get it in the 36th chapter of Second Chronicles. That is the destruction of southern Judah. Second Chronicles 36. Second Kings 25. 25 Second Kings and 36 Second Chronicles are basically the same story as this, but this is more detailed right here. You get a little, you get pretty good detail in Second Kings, the 25th chapter. And they bound him in chains to carry him to Babylon. All he had to do was submit instead of run. You know what? That's all we have to do is submit to God's laws. And we'll end up destroyed. But he'll destroy our lives. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house. They burned the castle that the king that the king lived in. I remember when Solomon built that. Over there in about the eighth chapter of of Second of First Kings. The Chaldeans burnt the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and break down the walls of Jerusalem. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of Babylonians' guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city. They only left the poor there that couldn't they carried away, you can see this, in Second Kings, the 24th chapter, how earlier they had three deportations, one, one in 605, one in 597, and then the 586, that was the military destruction. These were peaceful here, 605. 597. In 597, when they carried away Jehoiakim, his father was G-H-O-I-A-K-I-M. The only difference in their name was the M and the K and the C-H in Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is the only one in the lineage of Christ in the first chapter of Matthew. Except it doesn't say Jehoiakim, it says Jeconias. When you look up Jeconias, it'll tell you it's a contraction for Jehoiakim. A contraction is like cannot. A contraction for cannot is C-A-N-T, can't. That's a contraction. So that was short. Jeconias was short for Jehoiakim. Now, I'm not going to say what I was going to say too much to it about it wasn't uh, daughters of Jeremiah that carried the throne. It was Jehoiakim. Verse 9, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away captive all these to Babylon. Verse 10, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left of the poor of the people. That tells you that, that the poor were left in Israel because they couldn't. They carried away the the silversmiths, the metalsmiths, and the, it'll tell you that 
in Second Kings 24. 24, it'll tell you they carried away anybody that could make weapons when they carried Jehoiakim away. Anybody that could make weapons. So this third was the total destruction of Jerusalem. And at the total destruction, only the poor people were left there. When we get into this next 40th chapter, Jeremiah's offered his freedom by Nebuchadnezzar and by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, we heard that this was an honorable man, Captain Nebuchadnezzar. You tend to him and make sure he is okay. Tell him he can be free. He can go over here to Babylon. We'll give him lands. We'll make him, raise him up as high in our kingdom as we can. You see, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't mad at everybody. He said, he told Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar told Jeremiah, you tried to tell the people. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do the, wasn't totally wrong in this. Israel was not willing to pay Babylon tribute money. Tribute is what we call taxes. That would take care of the roads. That would take care of Israel's defense. Nebuchadnezzar would bring his armies over there and defend them if anybody tried to attack them. And Israel wouldn't even pay their tribute. So Nebuchadnezzar had every reason to come and attack them. Wouldn't pay their taxes. Well, I think the United States government will do that to you and I. They'll come get us if we don't pay our taxes. I love this Nebuchadnezzar story. I love the way they approached Jeremiah. Let's read it. Now Nebuchadnezzar, verse 11, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the guards, saying, Take Jeremiah and look well to him. He's one of the good guys. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is telling Nebuchadnezzar. And do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee, whatever he wants, do it. Well, that's unusual, isn't it? You're thinking Nebuchadnezzar's going to be this main guy because he's going to burn the city to the ground. That was the judgment of God upon Israel because they went after all these gods. So Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guards sent, and Nebuchadnezzar and Rabsaras and Nergal Sarezer, Rabnag, Rabnag, and all the king of Babylon's princes, even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him unto Gadaliah. Gadaliah is the one, you have to know this about Gadaliah, he's the one that Nebuchadnezzar appointed as the leader of the Israeli, Israeli people. And everybody got real jealous of Gadaliah and killed him. He was a good man, the son of Hakam, the son of Shaphan, that he should carry him home. And he dwelt among the people. Now the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Abedmelech the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil. 
people say God don't create evil and he says I'm going to bring my I'm going to put it into Nebuchadnezzar's mind to burn this city to the ground and to rip thy my temple out of his foundations and they had great big huge stones that weighed tons that they built the temple with and Nebuchadnezzar pulled it all down because it was God's evil that he brought against the city. You think God don't do evil? You really have never read Jeremiah, have you? And they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord. And thou shalt be given unto the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. I will deliver thee that day. It says Jeremiah is afraid of these men. Jeremiah had a fear of them. He was still human. But he was willing to stand up and do the will of God regardless of the cost. It's not like brave men are not necessarily brave because they don't fear getting hurt. Anytime a man is in battle and he's brave, he still has a fear. And he, he does. He's brave because he knows it's his duty. I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee. That means you're going to save your life. Because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Now the next chapter is talking about Nebuchadnezzar going and talking to Jeremiah. And what he says to him, I feel necessary to read it. Let's read. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, the captain of the guard means the commander. That was the same thing that Joab was for David's army. He was David's commander-in-chief other than himself. Go from Ramah, when he had taken him, being bound in chains among all that were carried away captive of Jerusalem and Judah. Notice Jerusalem and Judah. Jerusalem's in Judah. So it's only Jerusalem and Judah that Jeremiah's talking to. Which were carried away captive into Babylon. And the captain of the guard, Nebuchadnezzar, took Jeremiah and said unto him, This is a conversation going on between Jeremiah and the commander, Nebuchadnezzar. Said unto him, Now notice what Nebuchadnezzar, supposed to be this pagan guy, says. The Lord thy God, he's not saying there is no God. The Lord thy God pronounced this evil upon this place. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, Jeremiah, your Jehovah God declared this evil upon this place. That's amazing to me that a pagan would be saying this. Now the Lord hath brought it, brought the evil. That's what he said, didn't he? said that in verse 2. Now the Lord hath brought it, the evil, and done according to as he hath said. God said, I'll bring the evil, and he did. 
because you have sinned against the Lord. You went after Baal in the grove. That's why he did it all. You can put a, that ought to be in blinking lights. You sinned against God going after Baal in the grove, the Christmas system. How preachers can't see that? I don't know. And have not obeyed his voice. He said, obey my voice. You'll go against your enemy one way. They'll flee seven ways. Nobody could have whipped Israel if that had been obedient. But this was God's plan and program. Obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. This thing has come from God. This is Nebuchadnezzar talking to Jeremiah. And now behold, I loose thee this day from the chains which were upon thine hand. This is Babylon's, Nebuchadnezzar's commander of his army, loosing Jeremiah from these chains where they had him down in the mire. If it seemed good unto thee to come with me unto Babylon, then come. You can do what you want, Jeremiah, because Nebuchadnezzar told me to instruct you. And I will look well unto thee. I'll take care of you. I'm the commander of Nebuchadnezzar's army. And if it seem ill unto thee to come with me into Babylon, then that's okay. Forbear, you can put up with it. Behold, all the land is before you, Jeremiah whither it seemeth good and convenient for thee to go, thither go, go, then go. You want this land here? You can have it. Nebuchadnezzar's in charge and Nebuchadnezzar is telling Jeremiah, you can have whatever you want. Because he, Nebuchadnezzar, my boss, Nebuchadnezzar told me you were an honorable man. You tried to warn these people and they wouldn't listen. Now, while he was not yet gone back, he said, go back also to Gedaliah, the guy that my boss has put in charge over here. The son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon hath made governor over the cities of Judah. It was Nebuchadnezzar that made him the governor, Gedaliah. The people got real jealous of Gedaliah. And had him killed later on. And dwell with him among the people. Or go wheresoever it seemeth convenient unto thee to go. So the captain of the guard gave Jeremiah plenty of food. Gave him victuals to survive on. And a reward. He probably gave him some money to live on. This is what you get serving God. You end up victorious. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. What is the victory? Even our faith. Then sent Jeremiah to Gedaliah, the sons of Hakam, to Mizpah, and dwelt with him among the people that were left in the land. We don't know what eventually happened to Jeremiah. There's no record of it. There may be some record in in Josephus. Josephus was of he lived in the first century. He was he was a historian that everybody in America, all Bible teachers, put trust in Josephus. 
He was a brilliant man. He was leading the armies of Israel during the Roman-Israel battle of the 70s. And he was a very smart man. I got some information on him I'll read to you. And all I'm doing is trying to show you what's happening here. So Jeremiah's free to either go to Babylon, stay here, and he's saying, I'll stay with the poor. Now, I could keep on reading, but I won't. I'm going to keep on and telling you all about does evil come from God? It certainly does. And you get over here into chapter 42. Verse 7. And it came to pass after the ten days that the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah. Who is the word of the Lord? It has to be Jesus. Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, the word. And the word came and dwelt and came in human flesh and dwelt among us. That's in the first chapter of John. So the word, every time you see the word coming to Jeremiah, the word coming to Ezekiel, that's Jesus pre-incarnate. Came to Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan and the son of Korea, and all the captains and the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom you sent me to present your supplication before him, if you will still abide in the land, then I will build you and not pull you down. All you have to do is obey me. God says this over and over and over again. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. It's only if you repent, but they don't. Why don't they repent? God set that up that way. He says that in Romans eleven eleven. He says... Does Israel stumble merely to stumble? God forbid. They stumbled. All of this happened so that salvation would come to the Gentiles. Figure that out. I can't. God tells these things to Jeremiah, and he tells us they couldn't repent. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't go to repent. Do I believe America's going to repent? No. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Till Jesus has to come and stop all this. As my father used to say, he'll stop this noise. It's just, it's just a noise. Let's read some more on that. And then he says in verse 11, chapter 42, Be not afraid of the king of Babylon. Of whom you are afraid, be not afraid of him, thus saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. God has touched his heart. We know that he really touched Nebuchadnezzar's heart because Nebuchadnezzar looked out over Babylon, that fourth chapter of Daniel, and said, Behold, great Babylon that I have built. And the words weren't out of his mouth till God struck him on the ground. He says, You're going to eat grass with the cattle of the field for seven times it has to be at least seven months 
until your hair goes out like eagle's feathers and your fingernails go out like bird's claws. And then when Nebuchadnezzar came to his right mind, he stood up on his feet and he said, I know this one thing. This God of Israel, he rules over the kingdoms of this world. And none can stay his hand. He doeth according to his will. Daniel 4.35 He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand. Nobody can stop his hand as he goes to do something or say to him, What doest thou? And that was Nebuchadnezzar's words. That doesn't sound like an unbeliever to me, does it you? Look at verse 11, chapter 42 of Jeremiah. Be not afraid of this king of Babylon, saith the Lord. I am with you, I'll save you and deliver you from his hand. I will show mercies unto you, but you got to do the things I say. Go to Babylon, stay there. Plant vineyards, plant crops, marry, have children. You're going to be there 70 years. One false teacher said over in that 29th chapter of Jeremiah, Oh, no, 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 you're only going to be gone two years. God says he's a false prophet. Jeremiah, tell him he's going to die. I'm going to strike him dead before the year's up. And that's what God did. You're going to be there 70 years. Verse 12, I will show mercies unto you that you may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land after I have See, you're going to return after I deal with the hearts of these kings to give these decrees to come back to Israel. After they build the rebuild, they're going to rebuild the temple. Then I'll have Nehemiah come back over and rebuild the city that Nebuchadnezzar leveled. There was nothing left after Nebuchadnezzar got through with it. But if you say, we will not dwell in the land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go into the land of Egypt. Jeremiah told him over and over and over again, do not seek refuge in Egypt. God will have some soldier chase you down and kill you. You talk about sovereignty. God will have you chased down and killed and you won't even know what's going on. Where we shall see no war, nor nor hear the sound of a trumpet. We'll go to Egypt, and everything will be peaceful. No, it won't. Nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. Lord, he may. Look down here in verse 17. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go to Egypt, look for sanctuary in Egypt. To sojourn there, they shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. How many times have I said that? 501 times, counting this time. It, it, it astounds me how people don't believe God after they see all of his miracles. And none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. Now, who's bringing the evil? God. Does it create evil? Yes, he brings it. You say, what does it have to do with us? We're rebellious in our life. When you first come to the knowledge of truth, 
And God's got all these commandments he's written in your heart. You say, well, I don't think he minds if I live this well over here. After all, he knows I'm a human. And God understands sin. No, he does not. So he says, I scourge every son I receive. We don't receive him. He receives us. That that word receiveth. There in Hebrews 12 is decomai. Means to reach out the ten fingers. He accepts us. We don't accept him when we're dead in sin. For thus saith the Lord, verse 18. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury. Now, does that sound like a God that doesn't do evil? I've got an anger and a fury. Hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Not on pagans. Jerusalem, because they're involved in all this idolatry. Are we involved in idolatry? The whole nation is involved in money. So shall my fury be poured forth upon you. You think that's evil? Yeah. He said, I'm going to pour my fury upon you by calling Nebuchadnezzar in to burn your city to the ground and kill millions of you that don't go to Babylon with him. I can't believe a preacher has never read these words. Have you ever heard any preacher talk about Nebuchadnezzar? He was a good guy. And he kept talking about, your God did this to you, Jeremiah. You shall be in execration, means to cut off, and an astonishment, that means to shock, and a curse, and a reproach. That's what Israel is going to be when you get carried away. People come by and they'll go, they'll click their tongue at you going, how could Israel do this? Their God wasn't their God wasn't able to deliver them. You so see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, those of you that are left in southern Judah, which is southern Israel, go ye go ye not into Egypt. I'm telling you, don't flee to Egypt for sanctuary. You'll get none. I'll have you killed, God says. Now certainly that I have admonished you this day, for you dissemble your your hearts. Dissemble means to be hypocritical. When you sent me into the Lord your God, saying, "Pray for us unto the Lord our God." God told Jeremiah, "Pray not for this people. I will not hear you." Jeremiah says that in the seventh chapter of Jeremiah. And the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, we will do it. And now I have this day declared it unto you, but ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. He keeps saying that over and over and over, all through the book. All you got to do is read this book. You have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he has sent me unto you. You had not obeyed nothing. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. This is every time Jeremiah turns around, he says, sword, famine, pestilence. 
Those are the judgments of God. Then finally the beast is the last judgment. They'll carry you away. I will bring it back, but you got to repent. Now we're talking about all these places that Jeremiah is talking about. God creating evil. Look over here in Jeremiah 44, verse 2. He says this over and over and over again. Thus saith the Lord. This is Jeremiah talking to people of Israel. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, ye have seen all the evil that I have brought upon upon Jerusalem. You've already seen it and I've brought it. It's not something he wants to bring. At this point, they've already been taken captive. Nebuchadnezzar has already come in, giving Jeremiah his freedom. So you can come to Babylon or stay here, whatever you want to do. Jeremiah says, I'll stay with the poor. And upon all the cities of Judah, and behold, this day they are a desolation, and no man's dwelling in the cities of Jerusalem any longer. We've destroyed it all. All because of Christmas, under another name, Baal in the Grove. Why, you preachers, why can't you see this? You're just blind? Is your pride? I'm reprimanding the preachers by looking straight in the camera. You guys are disgusting. Don't call yourself a preacher. If Nehemiah was here, he'd go to the First Baptist Church and drag the preacher out and kick him out in the tail. Say, Don't ever come back here. That's what Nehemiah would do. Because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger. The reason God did this, he led them out of Egypt, pulled them out of Egypt, took them through 40 years in the wilderness, gave them the kingdom, gave them the land, and said, you'll obey me and all my laws. And they didn't. Starting in, starting in the judges. You had 12 judges, 13 counting Samuel. I've given you, I've given you a paper on the judges. And they were going, kept, each time one of the judges would die, Israel would go right back to Bell in the Grove. You ought to read the book of Judges. You preachers have never read the book of Judges, have you? Every time one would die. When Othniel died, they went right straight back. He was the first judge. And when Ehud died, he was the left-handed guy. They went right back to Bell in the Grove. When Shamgar died, right back to Bell in the Grove. When Gideon died, they started worshiping the golden ephod that he had made. And I just can't believe God's people doing that. Jephthah delivered them. He was the son of a harlot. They said, get Jephthah out of Israel. We can't have the son of a harlot leaving us. But as soon as the Philistines attacked or the Midianites attacked them, they said, somebody go get Jephthah. He's a great military man. Bring him back. He can deliver us. Boy, it sounds like the hypocrisy of America, doesn't it? This nation is so corrupt. And then in verse 11 of chapter 44. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel. Behold, I will set my face against you for evil and to cut off southern Israel or Judah. Northern Israel has long been led captive. You need to know that who he's talking to is Judah. Judah is the name of a tribe. But it was also the name of southern Israel. 
and down here in verse 15. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods and all the women that stood by, all the women of Israel, not pagans, and that stood by a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, These are some of them that's in Egypt. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we won't do what you say, Jeremiah. Get out of here. And all this has happened. By this time, the temples come down. The houses are being burned. They're saying, we don't care. We ain't going to do what you say, Jeremiah. This is one of my favorite chapters because he goes on to say, but we will certainly do what thing, whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven, that was 600 years before Jesus. Anybody that knows anything about Catholicism knows that the Mary of Roman Catholicism is called queen of heaven. The queen of heaven was said to be the moon. The moon goddess. How can you read Jeremiah and not understand that God is destroying Israel because they went after <coughs> sudden tree gobs? How can you read that? You can't. I don't believe preachers ever read Jeremiah. If you read Jeremiah, Jeremiah is my, truly my hero. He was standing in the midst of Israel saying, Repent! Nebuchadnezzar's on the way. I keep saying judgment's coming. You need to repent of sin, America. And the preachers won't repent. How can America repent? They're hearing all this mush gospel, this other Jesus, other spirit, other gospel from the Baptist preachers who used to tell the truth 150 years ago. Y'all know how much this bothers me. This stuff goes through my head all the time. They'll pour out drink offerings unto the queen of heaven. As we have done, we and our fathers and our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of food. They're even lying here. And we're well and saw no evil. You Israelites, you're just lying through your teeth, just like these Baptist and Pentecostal preachers today. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, you're going to find Israel condemned for the Queen of Heaven worship in the 7th chapter of Jeremiah. That's the same thing as the grove. The grove had more adoration than the sun god or the tree goddess had more than the sun. To pour our drink offerings unto her, we have... Wanted, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense unto the Queen of Heaven, I can't believe this is in the Bible and preachers don't pay any attention to it. It's Roman Catholicism. What's wrong with you guys? I'm looking at the camera. 
And when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured our drink offerings unto her, we didn't make cakes to worship her. Cakes, kavan, K-A-V-A-N, K-A-V-A-A-N. It means sacrificial wafers. That's the Eucharist of Catholicism. How can I know these things and it upset me so? Because preachers just don't care. They don't want to lose their congregation. Their wolves make the building payment. They can't afford to run the wolves off by telling them Christmas is pagan and Easter is pagan. And God does not love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before either were born, before either one had done any good or evil. God's got a special family he picked out. And if he doesn't put faith in their hearts, they won't go to heaven because there's none righteous, not one. None understands, none seeks after God. And you have to repent, and you can't repent, but you have to, but you can. If he doesn't put repentance by the, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He has to put faith as the gift that's put in our heart. The word gift of God in Romans 2, 8 and 9 is not a gift wrapped up with a present. It's the word doron. It means a sacrifice. Faith is the sacrifice that God puts in our hearts and makes us willing to take our cross and die daily. And they offered cakes to worship her and poured out drink offerings unto her. Then verse 20, Jeremiah just beats up the people, hammers them. If you read Jeremiah, it's not boring. It's like he's reading a novel because the people are after Jeremiah. They're trying to kill him. They don't succeed in that. We don't know what happened to him. He stayed in the land with the poor. Verse 20, then Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the women, to the men and the women, to all the people which had given him the answer saying. When it says something like this, the next sentence is Jeremiah's words. He's talking. The incense that you burned in the cities of Judah. This is Jeremiah's words. And the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers and your kings and your princes and the people of the land, did not the Lord remind, remember them and came it not into his mind? That means God did not want you to offer your babies in fires to him. He said, the firstborn is mine, dedicate him, commit him back to me. So the Lord could no longer, because of the evil of your doings, that's why he's doing this. Most people, I keep saying, most people know about the 400 years of bondage, but they don't know about the 2,600 years of captivity of Israel. It didn't end until May 14, 1948. Actually, it consummated in the Six-Day War of 67. June 5th through June 10th, 1967. That's when Israel got Jerusalem back from the Arab people, from the Jordanians, kicked them out. And the Bible says that Israel, Jerusalem will fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive in all nations, and Jerusalem be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile rule over Jerusalem is finished. And the Gentile rule over Jerusalem finished in the Six-Day War of 67. That's the generation that will not pass till all is fulfilled. Everything's going to get worse and worse in America. Evil men seducers shall grow worse and worse. 
there in Second Timothy three twelve. It's going to get worse. It's the evil of your doings. Every time Jeremiah turns around, he says, it's your evil doings. You didn't obey God. You might as well put America every time he says this to him, to them. You could put America in here. Because of your abominations which you have committed, therefore is your land a desolation. That's the reason it's flat out there where the temple used to be. That's the reason Jerusalem is flat. It's burned to the ground. The walls are down. By this time, that's the condition of Jerusalem. And an astonishment and a curse without inhabitant at this day. He's saying, your city, Jerusalem, is down and the walls are down and the, and the temple has been pulled down because of the way you have lived in disobedience to God. You think God won't do this to America? Jeremiah's got the best repentance message. Take your cross and die daily or die. How do you like that for a message? Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord, he don't change his message. Boy, that's why they were so mad at him. They hung him in the mire. (laughs) He didn't back off one inch. You have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his law, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies. Therefore, this evil has happened to you. And God says, I brought it. Verse 24, Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people and all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, southern Israel, that are in the land of Egypt. You've tried to flee and go to Egypt. Thus saith the Lord, of the host, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her. This moon goddess. You know what? I'm a loss for words. I just want to go, Ah! And preachers don't even believe this. They are stupid. You will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Then we go on down here to verse 29. This shall be a sign unto you, Israel, saith the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words shall surely stand against you for evil. You think God does evil? Poor Jeremiah was, he was a gutsy guy, wasn't he? He'd stand there and let his life be in danger. Now let's flip on over here. You'd think, and I'm not giving you every time it's spoken. There's so many times Jeremiah said it, much less the rest of the Bible. God creates evil. I bring it on you for evil because of the evil of your doings. That's what you've been doing. Burning incense to the Queen of Heaven, that Roman Catholic goddess. Before she, before there was something called Roman Catholicism. That's where the Mary... You remember I told you earlier that Babylon, the fire worship of Babylon was outlawed and they brought it into the Roman Catholic Church. And they called Aphrodite Mary, and they were in a niche. A niche is a little grotto. 
it's a little indention in a wall and they have a statue of Jupiter there and they changed his name to Peter and they changed the statue of Aphrodite to Mary and called her Queen of Heaven because that's what Aphrodite was called and that's what Mileta was called, Queen of Heaven. We are involved in Christmas. You're involved in Roman and Greek God worship. And how angry does God get at that? He says, my fury will come up in my face. In that 38th chapter of Ezekiel. Oh, man. I've got so many more places. How much time do I have, Mike? Five. Five minutes. He says in verse 34 of chapter 51, We're going into the destruction of Babylon in 50 and 51. Babylon's the one that carried southern Judah away into captivity. Northern Israel was carried away by Syria. And there were Jews dwelling in Elam, which was a section of Babylon. In verse 34 of chapter 49, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet against Elam. That's where a bunch of the Jews were carried by Nebuchadnezzar. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Verse 37, I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies, before them that seek their life. And I will bring evil upon them. I will bring evil. I will bring evil. God says, I will bring evil. You think? This is chapter 49, verse 37 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an exciting book to read. He has got... He stood... God told him, do not be afraid of their faces in the first chapter of Jeremiah. Go to the gates of the city, the gates of the temple, walk through the streets and tell them, Nebuchadnezzar's coming to bring judgment because of your false teachings and your false gods. That's what's the same thing is happening in America. Verse 37, for I will cause even to be dismayed before their enemies and before them to seek their life and I will bring evil upon them and even my fierce anger saith the Lord boy and that's something then when you get into 50 and 51 this is the destruction of Babylon I'm going to get into that next time it amazes me that God calls in Nebuchadnezzar And he frees Jeremiah. And down the line, when you get down to... You get down to Belshazzar. He's the last king of Babylon, Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that is the Babylonian king. I'll just call him Neb. He's the Babylonian king of Babylon. But he he rules from 605 to 562. And then you have Evel, E, 
V-I-L, Merrill Dack. And he rules from 562, 562 to 560. He is the one that's ruling at the end of the Jeremiah, the 51st chapter. He's ruling it at the very end of Jeremiah's words against Israel. Then you have Nergal, N-E-R-G-A-L. Nergal Sharizer, S-H-A-R-E-Z-E-R. And then after that, he rules from 560 to 556, 560 to 556. After that, you have Labshi, B-S-H-I, Labshi, Marduk. That's an ancient word. That was the sun god of ancient Babylon. His name was Marduk. He was named after that ancient god. Then you have Nabonidus. And his son, he rules from 556. Let me put this up here. He rules in 556, and that's all he rules. Nabonidus was the father of Belshazzar. Belshazzar's father was not Nebuchadnezzar just because it follows in the Bible. Nabonidus' son was Belshazzar. Belshazzar, and he was the last king to rule over Israel. He ruled from 559 the 3 to 539, and that's when he was overthrown, that's B.C., that's when he was overthrown by Persia. And that's the same thing as Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and so forth, all those stands, that's Persia. He was overthrown and the Persian Empire starts ruling in 539. And in 538, those monarchs begin to give their decrees for Israel to go back to Babylon, or go back to Israel and rebuild the city and the, and the temple. It's everything that God judged Israel for is the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass. It just astounds me that preachers act like they're so stupid they can't possibly see it. They're dumb. Either that or just they don't want to do it. I'm going to come back and go through in this this God Create Evil series we're going to see the destruction of Babylon. And it's expressed in several places. Am I out of time? Well, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for truth above everything in our lives. Thank you for the people here. And I pray you'll cut into their hearts and cause them to want to 
be bold like Jeremiah. What a man of God that would stand in front of the whole nation tell if they didn't repent that judgment was coming. Thank you for everything you do. You're in charge of it all. You make peace and create evil. God will give you praise for everything. Fight our battles for us. We can't fight them. In Christ's name we pray, man. Boy, maybe this will give you an appreciation for Jeremiah. He is a wonderful man of God.